What you do with the small details is just as important, if not more important than the big ones. The red flags are different, but you just have to be paying close enough attention to see them. That our margin's up 250% since signing up with Eric's help. You have to spend money to make money, right? You have to invest in yourself. Building the house isn't the hardest part. It's running the business. 70 hour work week is, is not sustainable, it's not healthy. We're gonna do it right, and we're gonna do it right the first time. This is Professional Builder Secrets, the number one podcast to help you grow your building company safely and securely. Brought to you by the Association of Professional Builders. Join us every week as we talk to industry experts and your fellow professional builders on everything you need to know to generate more leads, more sales, and higher margins while improving the building experience for your clients. Hello, and welcome to the Professional Builders Secrets podcast, a podcast by the Association of Professional Builders for building company owners, general managers, VPs, and emerging leaders. Here we discuss all things running a professional building company from sales processes, financials, operations, and marketing. We have another exciting episode from the Professional Builders Secrets podcast. I'm joined today by Sam Schwartz, president and owner for True North Custom Homes. Sam, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, Sam, tell me a little bit about True North and what you specialize in, and tell me a little bit about yourself. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on and be on with the APB. I'm a, a small little custom home builder here in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the, the middle of the U.S. When I say small, it, uh, that was the plan when we started, but uh, right now we have about uh, 18 to 20 projects going on at any given time, and um, building mainly uh, custom single-family homes, but we also have... Uh, rolled out a line of uh, high-end uh, townhomes in the last uh, six to nine months as well, too. So um, that's uh, the main focus right now. I've actually been to Nebraska, so I actually know where you are. And uh, for our listeners out there, I'm sure they'd be fascinated to learn a little bit about Nebraska as well. But how did you get started in the industry? You know, was this an accidental sort of career or, you know, did you know at a very young age that this was going to be your purpose in life? You know, no. And in, in high school, it was uh, it was my first job. Junior year in high school, I started as the low man, if you will, making minimum wage uh, for a remodeling company, and uh, moved on into into college. And uh, actually, went started college. And my mom told me uh, she didn't want me uh, working so hard the rest of my life, so she made me get my four year degree. And uh, went to college, got my degree, ended up uh, on a different path, and uh, about 15 years later, found my way back into home building. Uh, so it was not the plan, but that's that's kind of how life goes, I suppose, right? I guess the industry picked you in some ways. Uh, it, it sucked me back in. It, uh, <laughs> thankfully, it did, too. Yes. That's cool. Well, um, you know, I think when people look back at their illustrious career, it's typically defined by milestones, but you can also find your growth in mistakes, you know, as, as people say. So I'm going to ask you this question because obviously we all get defined and, and change our ways through mistakes, but what were some of the memorable mistakes you made when you first got started that really just changed your trajectory and where you were going because you had a non-negotiable that you wouldn't do that again? That's good. We'll go way back, actually. I was in a job working an eight to five that um, I couldn't stand uh, the work. And so I'd actually found uh, kind of the the beginnings of my entrepreneurship that I didn't even realize um, I was destined to be in. 
actually. And so I had this job for about a year and a half. And um, finally, thankfully, one of the best things that ever happened to me in my career was uh, my boss fired me the day after Thanksgiving, of all things. Pretty low, humbling spot, but kind of set me completely changed my trajectory. I was, you know, working for Fortune 100 companies, thinking that that was the safe way to go. And finally realized when I got pushed out of the nest, if you will, I was meant to uh, blaze my own trail and and be an entrepreneur and uh, been on that path since uh, 2010 now. Uh, so thankful to have, have found that. Hopefully that, uh, that's not quite in the building world, but uh, it certainly is what led me to here or else I'd probably still be uh, punching a clock, uh, making somebody else money today. Well, if you if you think about the clients, I'm sure you've had you know the best of the best and potentially clients that you didn't want. I'm going to ask you this in both spectrums. What did you learn from your best client? And what about the worst client? How do you avoid getting more of those? Well, the the, the easier one to answer is probably the, uh, the worst client. The worst client, there's always a, a a handful of red flags that come out, right? The the red flags are different, but you just have to be paying close enough attention to see them. And as I've kind of thought about this, the the two worst clients, if you will, that uh, I've ever had to deal with, absolute just beat your head against the wall clients. We've all had them. Was they came in, we designed what they wanted, we gave them everything they asked for, and then we gave them the price, and it was it was too much. It wasn't what they wanted to spend, but everything that they wanted was in the house. So we go back and we do all this work and spend hours and hours redesigning and rebidding, and come back with a price that they're more comfortable with. Well, then we get into the build, and everything gets changed back to the way that they wanted it. And they end up spending even more than what the initial contract was. And the whole time, the whole process, their expectation level, I was never going to meet no matter how hard I tried and all of the work that we did. So I think if anything, it's it's give them exactly what they want. And if they're not uh, willing to do what it takes to get that, then you just have to gracefully move on. But as for best clients, I would I would say my favorite clients are are the ones that um, that have the same energy as me, the, the talkative, the people that uh, that enjoy life, the people that um, kind of live for today, if you will, and just uh, want things done the right way. And they don't all want to pay for doing it the right way, but they they see the value in having it done the right way. So when you have a client that um, you can you can hang out with and want to uh, break bread with after the house is built, that's always a uh, always a blessing. From time to time, even you have homeowners over to your house for dinner and a movie after the house is done and, and get to uh, make lifelong friends. And at the end of the day, that's uh, that's kind of that extra cherry on top for me. So, What are you known for today in the industry by your clients? And let's just hope that your good clients, you know, supersede the ones that you don't want. But uh, what are you known, known for by your clients in the industry today? I would say, you know, kind of the narrative from what one client will share with their friends or even what the realtors in my market would say is the narrative I hear often is just the attention to detail. And that's that's really what we try to sell. I want things done right. And you can rub off on my team the wrong way sometimes, but we're going to do it right the first time. And every little detail, when it comes to building a house, there's hundreds of details that uh, you have to sweat, if not thousands, frankly. And so 
what you do with the small details is just as important, if not more important than the big ones, because if you're not sweating the small ones, you're going to let everything else slide, I think. So paying attention to the detail and then really um, doing, we do a great job, I think, at setting expectations out of the gate. We don't just bid off of a set of plans. We build off of a, a 25, 30 page spec document where we're going to take the client's home and break it down detail by detail and really show them exactly what they get. The things that they don't know that they need or want at the beginning, but they're always thankful that those things are identified uh, once we get into the build. And having that 30-page document, did that come from years of experience and sort of wanting to reinvent yourself? Or was that just something that you guys discovered would just, you know, eliminate some of the problems down the track? Yeah, a little bit of both. We definitely had a great baseline to start with, but the document is even today ever breathing and evolving document. Anytime that um, something doesn't quite go right in a project, we'll go back and identify it in the specs and update it for the next projects moving forward. So it certainly looks a whole lot different than it did on day one, but I think that uh, it's important to not just... um, assume that it's right, but always changing and evolving. So, Well, let's, uh, let's go to, to the, you know, sort of semi-present day. You've, you've given me a little bit about your past, but uh, tell me how, what were you struggling with before you met the team at the Association of Professional Builders? And, and tell me how did that story, you know, come to life? So actually just this last February, I was in, um, I was at IBS um, in Orlando and, and I saw the APB's class. I don't even remember what the subject line of the class was, but I I, I know it was uh, something about you know building for profits or something geared towards uh, margin and profitability. A numbers uh, fanatic. I sweat the numbers, and so anywhere somebody's got something to teach me about numbers and how to make the numbers better, I am I am all in. So went to the class, and uh, Eric, my now business coach, was there presenting on what the APB recommends for margins and what they recommended for for profitability. And uh, frankly, I thought the APB was lying to me when they told me what they thought the margins would be um, or should be. And um, I can even remember sitting in the, the meeting with my one employee. I was texting him going, you wouldn't believe what these guys are telling us our margins should be. So to say that we were a little bit off what where we needed to be, where our trajectory was way out of way out of touch. And so just really digging into the APB and, and what they have to offer, not just telling you what you should be charging, but but showing you the roadmap of how to do it. That's the key. I mean, I've had other other builders, other mentors tell me, hey, you need to be charging X and kind of going, yeah, that's that's not realistic. But for whatever reason, the way the APB put it together. And the way they presented it in that class, it just it clicked, and I was a sponge. I wanted to wanted to take in as much as I could, and went to a couple more classes there, and then right away when I got back, reached out for the a bunch of free literature that they have, and then um, uh, signed up for a call and really jumped right in. So. So, I mean, I find that really fascinating because obviously you had some resistance, obviously, and you were sitting there going, this number sounds sounds too good to be true, obviously. So something must have compelled you to jump on and eventually, you know, join the mentoring program. What do you think that was? Was it a curiosity to prove them wrong? Did you feel like perhaps there was something there that you needed to open and discover? 
I think it really goes back to why I went and signed up for the classes and signed up for the education. With my building background, I, I really felt like in Lincoln, Nebraska, I was I was on an island kind of by my by myself. I I only knew what I knew and I had no idea what I didn't know, but I was I was able to identify that there has to be a better way and was really went to the conference searching for a way to do things better. My company was still is still pretty young and trying to find the right ways to make some changes from the past. So really just being open-minded and them saying, hey, this is what you can do. I certainly I like to joke I'm a capitalist. So I if if you're gonna if you've got a roadmap to tell me how I can be more profitable, I'm all ears. So what were some of the significant impacts you've had through the mentoring program as well? And, and, you know, how did you transfer that to the business that's made it, you know, really worthwhile for you? It's exciting because uh, we've, I've been in the mentoring program for right around six months now, five, six months. And I feel like I've just touched the tip of the iceberg. And already I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded on I made a mention earlier, but I didn't know, man, there's there's a whole lot more that I didn't know that I didn't know, which really makes me sound intelligent here. But I would say that um, the biggest things obviously were margin. That's where we where we jumped in first. We jumped in first on revenue forecasting and uh, the WIPA calculator. For me, as I'm a sole proprietor, owner of, of my company, and so all of the decisions uh, obviously fall on me, which is what I wanted. But um, that comes a lot of responsibility. So being able to know and plan out six months and being able to go to a spreadsheet that the APB provided and be able to see that, hey, I have I have revenue and I have my overhead covered for the next four, five, six, seven months, whatever it might be, certainly gives you a lot of peace. Whereas before, it's like I, I knew there was projects and margins that were booked and, and sold and under contract. But being able to lay it out on a monthly basis and see it in front of me, I can I can go right now to January of 23 and know exactly what my gross profit is going to be as of today. So when I'm looking at hiring new employees or making different purchases, changes, um, when you know you've got a lot of run in your revenue, it, it just really gives you a lot more peace to make wise decisions, if you will. It sounds like you've had a lot of financial awareness as well that's come from this process as well. You talked a little bit about margins. How do you get more confident selling you know, higher margins as well? Where did the confidence come from? I would say, honestly, it, it came from Eric, my business coach, pushing me constantly in those first three or four coaching sessions. It was one, seeing what, what my overhead really was and really digging into what my overhead number was. and knowing what I had already spent, you know, with, with those commitments and knowing that I had to have a margin to be able to cover it, to be sustainable and, and stay in business. So Eric did a really nice job at helping me understand my, my overhead, I thought was much less than what it was, which kind of sounds negligent, I guess, but until you really jump in and study what it's going to be month to month and then especially when you're on a growth rate that we've been on. We've hired since since February, we just hired our our fifth employee. So now there's a, a we're a team of seven. So we've been constantly growing and adding to overhead. And every time we add to the overhead, Eric's there to go see, this is why we have to increase margins. We have to increase margins. So really his push 
has been pretty remarkable. I, I'm a little reluctant to say that that our margins up 250 percent since signing up with with Eric's help and really being able to see. I don't think that we fully captured the margin that that we need to, but we're certainly on our way to to where it should be. That's pretty impressive. Of all the APB systems, and, and there's quite a few, as you said, and action plans and, and you know the different areas of innovation, which one did you guys implement that was a game changer where you, you look back and go, having that system in place or having that action plan really just transformed everything for you? Definitely. The first one we jumped into was revenue forecasting. And then right behind that was uh, construction slots. I signed up with wanting help with production and when we and being able to get a lot of the jobs that we had already sold, being able to manage getting them done. But when we jumped into the the mentoring program, really seeing that our finances needed more attention first. So being able to do that, and then the construction slot planning was obviously the next obvious fit for us. I almost feel like we're a little a couple months early on on being able to talk about this because I think the biggest changes are come in the next three to six months with the push. The two I've been most excited about using or getting to are is the marketing action plans and the sales action plans. So after seeing what the APB recommends a marketing budget, I was probably spending a quarter of total revenue and APB's push is three percent, right? So we've been making big changes in our marketing program and actually just offered last week a new marketing manager to come on and take care of basically all of the the marketing modules that APB has. So their first two weeks on the job is going to be watching a whole bunch of videos and reading a whole bunch of action plans. And basically the APB has laid out for me their my new employees' entire workforce focus. So not um, only are they your mentors, but they're also providing the onboarding for your new employees. Yes, too. that's yes. great. It's, it's great. So I do all the sales here at True North, and so the client calls, meets, wants to meet with us. I'm doing all that, and I have not uh, done as good a job about tracking and writing everything down that needs to when it when it comes down to following up and having systems and automation. So I'm feeling the extra push to, with the new marketing push, I know I'm going to be a whole lot busier on the sales side. So both of those marketing action plan and sales action plan are going to get implemented heavy here in the next 30 to 60 days. So that's where that next three to six months I'm ecstatic to see what what changes are going to come. And let's talk a little bit about softwares as well. What type of software are you using within the system? And also a little bit about leads. You talked the fact that you're doing sales. You might be getting someone to do marketing as well. What type of systems you've got for the leads and, and the software as well that you're using for the business today? Yeah, that's where I'm going to probably get myself in trouble a little bit. My sales leads tracking, I'm a little bit old school. I love a whiteboard and um, I've got a, my whiteboard here with names and phone numbers and email addresses on it. And um, that will be the first thing that we are implementing, obviously, is uh, we'll be jumping into uh, some software to help track it. We've done a lot of tracking also capturing leads from our website with Builder Trend. Um, everything goes from our, our website through Builder Trend and to my email, which is great. We can look back and we've got have all of those captured. 
But Builder Trend has a huge side of it that um, we haven't really used. That'll be one of the things that uh, we're implementing. They're right up the road here from Lincoln, about uh, about 45 minutes. So my excuses for not uh, implementing them on the sales side are a little weak. But I will say Builder Trend has been huge, huge for us on the uh, the production side. We have a production schedule that is built out that um, I would put up against any builder, frankly. The, the attention to detail and just the every minute detail that you can think of that goes into building a house, scheduling the gas meter, all the little things that when they're supposed to happen, we've got uh, um, cues to make sure the superintendents are getting things scheduled and set up. So huge, huge Builder Trend fan. Honestly, don't know how we would be able to uh, run production without those guys. So I've actually had the good fortune of interviewing, I think, the CEO at the time. Uh, yeah, I think it was the CEO. Yeah, on the podcast as well. And he was an amazing guy and uh, lots of insight shared from it. Their product is, yeah. Obviously, those guys are a whole lot smarter than us. I won't speak for you, man. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, they came up with, I mean, I don't know of anybody that rivals it. So thankful to have them in our process and being able to communicate with clients and be able to communicate with subs within the scheduling modules. I mean, it's it's been great, great for us. Now, let's talk a little bit about the future. Obviously, we're living in, in some interesting times right now, but uh, you know, when you think about where we're going and wh- what you want to focus on, and obviously you're still doing the mentoring, you're implementing systems. How are you future-proofing your business long-term? Well, I pray a lot. That's probably, uh, if I've learned anything about this business, you can plan and plan and plan. And uh, when when my plans um, aren't the Lord's plans, they certainly change and change quickly. So, but still a planner, still a goal setter, still focused on on driving the business forward. I've actually had the good fortune of, of getting my name in on a large 70-acre development here in Lincoln, where we'll be putting in 101 lots. So being able to control and have places to build is going to be huge for our company for the next three to four years. And really, I'd say the, the, the biggest catalyst for our growth into the future is going to be my team. I have some some remarkable people that I've been, been blessed to hire here in the last... Uh, three, four months, especially my my CFO, being able to have people on my team that I trust and can can put in charge of important tasks like the finances, like production, even all the way down to my, my superintendents in the field day to day. I don't think I'd ever be able to, to dream about the future, the way it's shaping up with, without them. When we started this company, my wife and I, 18 months ago, the goal was to to build five houses a year. I was going to be very content with with five contracts and kind of run them myself and kind of do everything like most of the builders um, do. But been able to uh, to grow and make some good uh, decisions and lot purchases in different areas. And we're up to like I mentioned earlier, twenty houses in production right now. So having the team underneath me to help accomplish all of that work is impossible without them. So I would say that uh, having the right people is the most important part of how I'm going to build True North's future. When we talk about time, you know, I usually meet builders that are on the business, some are in the business. How much time do you spend working either on or in the business? I guess you talked a little bit about the fact that you're doing the sales right now too. Yeah, I would say my biggest problem right now is is not enough time to work on the business. We've got so much growth and going on and projects coming in with a, a large number in design 
Um, so I walk everybody through the design and sales process. So I would say an average week, probably somewhere between 70 to 85 hours. And um, frankly, maybe five to 10 of that is on the business. Unfortunately, it's, it's usually uh, late at night after the phone stops ringing, I'm able to, to spend more time focused on the business as opposed to in the, the day to day. But uh, we're, we're making changes to try to help free up some of that time. 70 hour work week is not sustainable it's not healthy. But again, when we're, we're only 18 months old, after starting fresh, I'd say that uh, that's okay for a little while longer to, to make sure we're up off the ground and on solid, solid footing. Well, you're in good hands with Eric, so I'm sure I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be cracking the whip sometime if he already hasn't yet. <laughs> Absolutely, every month uh, I, I look forward to it. Actually, yes. So, look, I'm going to ask you a question about perception from build other builders, and maybe you know, there's two parts to this question. One is, what are your thoughts around how do you compare amongst other builders, and then what do you think other builders think about your company? Obviously, now that you're growing and and you've been there, like you said, you know, and, and making a name for yourself too. That's a tough one to answer what others think of you. But I will say that we tried to position ourselves. I spent a lot of time out of the gate thinking about at the beginning, thinking about how I wanted my brand and my company to be perceived. You don't just come up with a name and throw something on the side of the truck and run out there and think you're going to do business if, if you want to do business right. Right. So that attention to detail goes all the way down into, into the, the logo, the color scheme, the planning, the the narrative on your website, all of those things are vastly important. And that's that's probably my marketing degree coming out in me a little bit, but just kind of the way I'm wired. But I would say that um, we've positioned ourselves to be more to the high end. We're, we're marketing a little more towards the, the affluent that can afford maybe that top uh, 10, 15% of homes in our market. That's was kind of an intentional pursuit. How other builders perceive or, or look at us. I'm going to hope that uh, they respect what we're doing. I know that they see that we're working hard. I know that they're going to see that uh, our attention to detail from the street is there. My superintendents, they have uh, daily checklists and everything from making sure the, the street signs are stood up to the weeds are trimmed, that the trash is off of the, the yard and off of the job. All of those little things are things that are big hot buttons to me. And so if another builder is driving by, um, they're going to notice that. We also have a great association, the Home Builders Association of Lincoln. I'm on the, the board of directors for that. So I get to, to spend a lot of time with other builders in my market that I respect and learn from. And we're able to um, work together to uh, accomplish some pretty cool things in our community as well. So... What advice would you give other builders considering joining the APB you know, membership and mentoring program? And what do you think they need to be successful? Well, my mindset is you have to spend money to make money, right? You have to invest in yourself. Um, you certainly have to invest in your business. And if you aren't willing to, to do those things first, you're probably a guy that's wired or gal that's wired to uh, be working for somebody. Now you got to have the money, you got to be able to afford it, but to invest in your education and to not think that you know everything is is huge. Most builders, you know, they were framers or trim carpenter that that did a lot of work building a house and they know how to build a house. But any most people 
building the house isn't the hard the hardest part. It's running the business and working with the clients that is what trips most people up. So would you rather be um, great at building a house or great at running a business? I think you have to learn to do both really well to be successful. And with all of the content that APB puts together, constantly coming out with new information. And I sit here and I look at all the modules and action plans that I haven't had time to watch yet. There's so much for me that it's just a matter of, of finding the the time in, in my schedule to work on it. So I would say that um, if your business is important to you and, and growing and being the best at it, it's such a a small investment with such a, a high opportunity of return that for me, it's been a no brainer. And I certainly think that it's worth diving into that first coaching session to really get a grasp for where the value really is. Now, if you, if they invented a, a time traveling machine and most of the time you go back in time as well, but let's just say your time traveling machine takes you to the future where you're not working 75 hours a week. What do you tell a younger version of yourself in the future? What's the advice that you'd give yourself from the future? I put a great focus on today already. One of the, my biggest pain points in this business and in this industry is how much time I'm I have to spend working to build this company and I have two beautiful kids that um, my ultimate goal is is to be able to spend more time and, and be able to do more fun things with them. That's my focus now. And I think I'm telling myself that every day, hurry up and get home as uh, I sit here at my desk and it's uh, seven o'clock on a Monday night. But I would say I already do a pretty good job of, of making sure that today's right. But investing in and continuing to invest in in people and the people around me, family and friends, would certainly be uh, the ultimate uh, lesson to take from this, I suppose. I appreciate the honesty. Look, it's been a pleasure yeah. talking to you, Sam. Uh, I've learned so much about you in this very short time. Sounds like you're on a very exciting journey. I'm glad that the Association of Professional Builders weren't lying to you. And, and actually, you're having a great time with Eric. I, I look forward to bringing you back on the show and seeing uh, where you've progressed as well. And hopefully, you're not working 75 hours a week. I like it. I look forward to our next chat, man. It'll be fun. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to Professional Builder Secrets on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review. To learn more about how the systems at the Association of Professional Builders can help you grow your building company, visit associationofprofessionalbuilders.com. See you next time.